Hello, and welcome to On the Record, the podcast of the Cuyahoga County Court of Common Pleas. I'm Laura Creed, and I'm the court's legal support coordinator. I'm joined today by Judge David Mattia, who has presided over the court's drug court since 2009, and has just started a second drug court. Judge, welcome, and thank you for talking with us. Thanks for having me. So twice in the last few months, you've been asked to go to Washington to speak on the opioid crisis. Can you tell me about your experience there? Oh, it was great. Both trips were sponsored by the American Academy for the Advancement of Science. They published Science Magazine. So the first trip, they had asked Chief Justice Maureen O'Connor whether she could attend, and she was going to be unavailable, and she suggested they ask me. So I filled in for the Chief Justice, which was an honor in itself. Uh, I was paired with an administrator from the National Institute of Health and an epidemiologist from University of California, San Francisco, and we gave a talk on the opioid epidemic. They asked us back to address uh, members of Congress, uh, which consisted primarily of their staffers. The staffers were really engaged. They're busy people, and they were on their phones at the start. And I made a joke about, you know, my contempt powers being, you know, intergalactic. And uh, I never saw a phone. Uh, They kept us 45 minutes afterwards asking questions. They were really engaged. I went there with tips in mind at how they could help us fighting the crisis with resources. So what did you uh, suggest to them? I suggested a loan forgiveness program for those pursuing careers in behavioral health. We need more behavioral health specialists. We need more addiction psychiatrists. We need more chemical dependency counselors. So to incentivize people to go into these areas, uh, possibly a loan forgiveness program, that would be something easy to legislate but would yield great results. Um, I told them that we still need to ratchet down on the prescriptions in this country. 5% of the world's populations, that being the United States, consumes 80 to 85% of its opioids. That should not still be happening at this point in our epidemic. You are the judge overseeing two drug court dockets. I understand that you have a sort of team approach. Could you explain that to me? What is a team approach to your docket? Drug courts involve a non-adversarial team approach. You know, Traditionally, you have the prosecutor on one side, the defense attorney on the other side. In drug court, you know, the due process part of the beginning is not a big part of what's going on. They're going to plead guilty and enter into drug court and get the resources that they need to stay clean. So that involves everybody, you know, rowing in the same direction, the prosecutor and the public defender, the case managers, the pretrial services probation officers that we have. We have everybody's eyes on that client. And so when they slip, you know, we've got several people suggesting good things to do to try to get them on track. It's not just the judge left to make a decision after hearing the public defender argue for leniency and the prosecutor arguing for something else. Everybody wants that person to get well, not recidivate, go back to the community, raise their kids, get a job, pay taxes. So everybody's uh, suggestion helps the team approach succeed. Over 300 people have graduated from drug court here in Cuyahoga County Common Police Court. How important is it for, I believe you call them clients, how important is it for the clients to support and be there for each other? We call them clients, we call them defendants. It depends on what day of the week it is and how they're doing it, you know. But at the end, we call them, you know, neighbors. It's wonderfully helpful to have those who've graduated and those who are well into drug court 
to reach out to those just entering recovery to show them you know they can have a life sober and clean uh, and that that life is pretty good and fulfilling our alumni group is completely organic they came together on their own with just a little support from us they put on activities regular activities where they invite people in drug court to attend. We actually mandate that they attend some of the activities in order to progress through the phases of drug court. There are five phases of drug court, and you have to attend an an alumni group event to progress from, say, stage three to stage four. Reaching back, giving back is a big part of what's evolved in drug court. Do we need more drug courts? Oh, absolutely. More people are dying of opioid overdose uh, now than you know, almost died in the entire Vietnam War. More people die every year. Uh, you know, we're up to about 40,000 overdose deaths a year in this country. So while we have come a long way since the first drug court began over 25 years ago in South Florida, you know, there are 2,500 drug courts, I think, nationwide now. But we need more. This is the future. This is outcome-oriented justice. You know, we could pretend... We want to just call balls and strikes from the bench, but our goal really should be a recidivism-reducing goal. So you have someone who's suffering from dependency, a chronic disease, you get them well, you get them healthy, and they don't come back. It's a good outcome. Why do you think we're hearing so much about the heroin epidemic than we did about the cocaine crack epidemic of the 80s and 90s? Well, I think both epidemics were widely publicized. I don't think that's issue. There is a legitimate beef in minority communities that the reaction to the heroin epidemic with compassion and treatment differs greatly than the reaction to the crack cocaine epidemic, which resulted in mass incarceration and no treatment. That was an improper response to a public health epidemic. If there's anything that's going to be good that comes out of this heroin epidemic, it's going to be a permanent change in attitude towards dependency that it is a disease, that people do recover, and that we will build infrastructure to combat a continuing problem in society, that being dependency. So we hear so much about this epidemic. Have any of the participants in the program ever told you why they even tried opioids even to begin with, since we know that it can lead to addiction? I asked that question from day one. How'd you start? Early on, when we were growing drug court in 2009, 2010, many of the answers were I started treating for a medical condition and I got hooked on pain pills. Heroin followed pills. It met the need. And now heroin is just so prevalent in society that we're finding high school kids coming to it directly. It's as available and sometimes more available than marijuana is. You don't have to even stick a needle in your arm to try heroin. It is so pure you can snort it. It baffles me that people still are coming to it, but I think in uh, in large part it's because there is such a supply. I, I do believe that fighting a supply-side war has been a loser's game. We have to address this, all all dependency, from a demand side. Why do people use? That's the question that needs to be addressed. That's the issue that needs to be attacked. Stop them before they start, and you won't have to worry about somebody selling a product that nobody wants anymore. What is the most common case that you see? Well, it's just still drug possession. But drug court takes a wide variety. We will take you, whether you're a third-degree felony, fourth-degree felony, fifth-degree felony, 
we won't take you if you're a trafficker or have some indicia of trafficking. Uh, we won't take you if, if you have a history of violence or are a uh, sex offender. But other than that, um, if you are driving around in a stolen car, if you've uh, committed breaking and entering, if you are a deception to obtain dangerous drugs defendant, it doesn't matter to us what the crime is. We'll take you if your disease is the crime driving element. So if we treat your disease, the crime driving element's gone and there won't be future crime. Our goal is to reduce recidivism. You know, I always joke, you know, what's the difference between drug court and Denny's? Only one of us wants repeat customers. You've been overseeing the drug court docket for eight years. Is there anything that surprises you still? What still surprises me are the people who don't want recovery. I had a woman today, intervention in lieu failure. She came into drug court. We knew that she was a runner. We put an ankle bracelet on her, GPS monitoring device, sent her over to CATS. She cut it off that day, took off. Six months later, she's back with a case for cutting off the ankle bracelet and a violation of her probation in drug court. And she tells me she doesn't want it. She just wants to do her time. You know, she's got a seven-year-old son. She has a boyfriend. You know, she has those things that normally pull people back to try and get themselves clean, but she didn't want it. And it's still hard doing this after eight, nine years to understand the disease mind that you can't treat people until they're ready. Drug court has more resources to get people ready. County jail is a wonderful mechanism to help somebody find their bottom. And we're ready to work with them at that time, but it still surprises me that there's a few people out there who still aren't sick and tired of being sick and tired. After the first couple of months, nobody's using to get high anymore. They're using just to avoid getting sick. We've gotten better at being amateur psychiatrists, uh, knowing how people think, knowing what to expect. It's been a great evolution to, to be able to captain the drug court ship. So, Judge, as my last question, is there anything you want to add to the conversation? Anything else you want to say? Harm reduction is something that we need to pursue. It's needle exchange programs. It's things like passing out naloxone, the overdose drugs. These things do not enable people to use. They're going to use anyway. They let people use safely. A person can't go through recovery if they're dead. Going through recovery with a, you know, a diseased liver from hep C is tougher. So we need to support harm reduction. It keeps everybody's costs lower. It keeps uh, people alive. I always get bothered by people who say that these programs enable use. They don't enable use. Uh, We need to remove the stigma from dependency. We need to treat people who are uh, dependent the same as we treat diabetics. It's a chronic disease just like diabetes is. And we don't throw people in jail for eating cake when they're diabetics. People are going to relapse from time to time, and we need to be a little more patient with them. And we need to celebrate their recovery more and treat them like normal friends and citizens when they do recover and not look at them still like oh okay that was in the past or really was it because they're just trying to do their best and they they need society's help and support thank you very much judge thanks for having me